From Fear to Flattery, The Analog Road Trip. First Epiphany. Another Thursday morning, and I'm crossing the same bridge I cross every day. Staring into the murky depths of the water, I feel depressed. Is this all there is to work in? Counting the hours until I cross this bridge in the opposite direction, willing the minute hand to move faster? Another Thursday morning, except this was to be a Thursday like no other. Unbeknown to me, an epiphany awaited. I stared out of the window into the car park for the nth time that day and saw my car facing away from me, rear end showing. All the others, without exception, were facing the opposite direction. What did it mean? At home, I had spent the last three decades under the control of others. Parents, school, work... There's always someone telling you what to do, regulating you, moulding you into something that I wasn't sure I wanted to be. How did I end up here? On so many occasions, I would sit at work and look around my desk, trying desperately to convince myself that I wasn't really that badly off. The job will get better. It's worth it for the money. Things will pick up. They never did. The same faces and the same problems, the same salary each month. I took another job. It helped for a few months until my true colours shone through. Again, this time, even brighter than before. Strangely, it was a relatively small event, like touching the hair on the inside of a Venus flytrap, that triggered this trip. A letter. A letter telling the recipient something I wasn't supposed to read. An off-the-cuff comment from my boss hiding a dig at me within. I left that job, a broken bat camel lying in my wake. The question was, what would I do now? What would you do? WWJD, not Jesus in this instance, but St. Jude, the patron saint of desperate situations. What I had wanted to do for so long, as long as I could remember, was quit my job and then spend three months driving around the United States with the vague goal of visiting all the states contained therein. Of course, there were plenty of reasons why I shouldn't, but at the time they were quickly considered, then squared away. That's the secret for all you people who want to do whatever, like pierce your tongue, spend $15,000 on a car, whatever. Compartmentalism. I had no ghosts to expunge, no fantasy town to form in my mind, no prejudices to hammer home and no American childhood to recapture. I just wanted to see the place, that's all. See what lay beyond the window of the bus, beyond that alleyway, over that hill. See what was out there and compare that to what the collective idea of America was thought to be. Being Scottish and living in Scotland, hardly anyone I knew had been to America. A school friend of mine had been to New York in the late 1980s with his dad, and I was beside myself with excitement at the telling and retelling of his days in the big city. It wasn't until the late 1980s and early 1990s that the location of the typical British package holiday moved gradually to Florida. For the previous quarter century, the British holidaymaker would normally visit the southern Spanish coast or one of the Balearic Islands to do their sunbathing. Back in the 1970s, our family went to Spain every year for two weeks. It wasn't America, no, but neither was it the east coast of Scotland. Then, in the mid-1990s, my then-girlfriend and I visited Florida, like most Brit first-timers, to do the Disney thing. 
I loved the whole experience, although splitting with the girlfriend the day after we got home rather took the sheen off of things. However, I knew from countless lost hours watching TV instead of charting the transuranic elements, or pondering what Iago had actually said to Cassio, that there was more to Les Etats-Unis than black felt ears. A lot more. I subsequently returned a number of times, but on each occasion I knew it would never be enough. If I wanted to see the lot, I'd have to be prepared for a long trip. However, there was no point in spending a year planning and a considerable amount of money for a trip if it was just to be some sort of aimless wander. It's all too easy to fall into the trap of stereotyping whole countries. How many times have you heard America classed as a hedonistic society? Americans as uncouth, slobbish and loud, the food tasteless and the history non-existent. I've heard it plenty, and on a number of occasions by Americans. Was it all true? The trip I wished to do would take me through all 48 lower states of the Union in a little under three months. I was asking too much of my limited time and thinning wallet to make it to Hawaii and Alaska on this particular journey. Initially, I had thoughts of doing the whole trip alone, but as the date grew nearer, I suddenly realised that this was the last thing I wanted, as I'm really a bit of a coward by nature. Fortunately, my girlfriend Emily got wind of my plans and explained that she would really like to ride shotgun with me. Emily was a physical therapist who enjoyed her profession but not her job. Of German-Italian extract, she had lived all of her 25 years in Cincinnati, Ohio, in a neat suburb to the west of the city. When I first met Emily, if you'd asked me where Cincinnati was on a map, I'd have said, Cincinnati, and in addition given you the answer, somewhere between New York City and Los Angeles. Importantly for Emily, and me I guess, she also had a new car. This was very good news indeed. Trying to hire a car in America for more than two weeks is almost impossible if you are A. Not an American B. Do not have a driving license of the state you are hiring the car in or C. Intending to take the vehicle out of the state you are hiring it from Luckily, Emily agreed that we should take her car and we would share the driving I'd met Emily in Edinburgh a couple of years back when she was backpacking through the UK Not having been to Scotland before she had climbed into a taxi on Gorgie Road, only to find the driver already had a passenger up front. Can I help you? asked the driver. Yeah, said Emily. Take me to Princess Street. I'm sorry, said the man, but this isn't a taxi, and we're in the middle of a driving lesson. So we shared a taxi, and it went from there. The question was, how do we undertake this once-in-a-lifetime trip? Using aeroplanes seemed pretty pointless and plenty expensive. Boats were out for the obvious reason, and trains were about as common as castles in America. That only left dirigibles or cars, and since the Hindenburg, airships have been pretty thin on the ground, not to mention the air. To finance my trip, I was forced to sell my property in Edinburgh. The one thing that hadn't run out on me was being discarded. A faithful decade for a three-month fling. I had no option. The United States is cheap compared to Britain, but what I had in the bank would not last three weeks, let alone three months. I had spent torturous weeks assembling an itinerary that was worthy of a quarter year in country. It wasn't easy. Simple arithmetic suggests that if you were to visit 48 states in a little under 90 days, this would mean spending less than two days in each state. Of course, I'm making large assumptions there. Rhode Island wouldn't take as long as Texas or California. 
the east coast is more congested than way out west, and things to see and do, and quintessential stereotypes to be smashed, are not evenly distributed. With this laissez-faire ethos in mind, I drew up a route in two distinct sections. The first originating from Emily's house in the Midwest, snaking westwards down Mississippi, Arkansas and Texas, through New Mexico and Arizona to Southern California. I also wanted to dip at least a toe into Mexico proper, before dog-legging back up through Nevada and then up the coast of Seattle. After a couple of days on Vancouver Island, Canada, we would start the long trek back eastwards through the plains of Montana and the Dakotas ending up back in Cincinnati some 50 days after having left. The second leg would see us on a northeasterly course through Pennsylvania and New York State up to the New England area and then swinging back down through New Jersey and Delaware into the Virginias, the Carolinas, Georgia and down through Florida. From there we would make the home straight back up north through Alabama, Tennessee and Kentucky, from where we would cross the Ohio River and be back where we started. It does seem a somewhat circuitous route to take in order that we entered the same street in Cincinnati suburb from the other direction, but that wasn't the point of the exercise. I had naively calculated that we would probably be driving on average just under 4 hours per day and this would equate to about 12,000 miles in total, all being well. Most of the people who I told about my trip wish me well. However, whenever I received one of the negative comments, within 10 minutes, I'd have a thought, what if they were right? I likened inside of my head to a plush hotel lobby, well don't we all, where I would be sitting in a leather armchair reading a copy of the Times. A 1920s bellboy, perhaps a young Mickey Rooney in light blue, would rush in and in a nasal whine say, Calling Tony Hughes, reality check. Oh, you'll never be able to do that. That's far too big a distance to drive. I can't see how you will manage that in three months. You won't have a job to come back to. Think how much it'll cost. Your head is full of nonsense. How did they know? They hadn't done a trip like this. No one I knew had done a trip like this. I wasn't even sure anyone had done a trip taking in all 48 states at one go. In fact, I later found out plenty of people had done that.